But unfortunately, um, Sister Janie is sick today. So she wasn't able to come to church. So we're going to pray for her a little bit later on. What she has done is she's left a little survey here for all the young people in the youth group to fill out. So make sure you grab one of these before you go today. Fill that out. Hand it back to Sister Janie next week. Amen. That means all the young people get to sit in here and listen to me again. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. First of all, why don't we all stand this morning? And um, let's close our eyes. And let's just open up with a word of prayer this morning. Precious Jesus. We thank you, Father, that we can be in your house today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord, that you do not change, that your word is forever settled in heaven, Lord Jesus. Father, as we open up, Lord, with our life class today, as we open up your word, Lord God, I pray, Lord, your anointing will rest upon us, Lord. Help us to learn, help us to grow, help us to apply, Lord, your word to our life. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. you. may be seated. Sister Carrie, I've got a slide in there somewhere for life class if you want to pop that up for me. We're going to continue this morning with part two of the series that we started last week, which is avoiding life's potholes. Amen. Last week we started talking about this. We talked about Rehoboam, King Rehoboam. You'll remember that King Rehoboam was the grandson of the great King David. A man after God's own heart, a man who pursued the will of God. Rehoboam was his grandson. He was the son of King Solomon, the man who built the temple. The man who the Bible said was the wisest man who has ever lived. He was king when Israel was at its military, its political might. It was the biggest it had ever been. It was the richest it had ever been. And that was King Rehoboam's father. And yet we know that last week, Rehoboam hit some potholes. We talked about how potholes, you often don't see them until it's too late. And when you hit them, they can do some incredible damage to your car, right? And this is what happened to Rehoboam. He ran into some pit holes that he could have avoided, but he didn't. And it destroyed his kingdom. It destroyed his life. It destroyed everything that he had. And we talked about last week, the first pothole that Rehoboam hit was that he valued his heritage over his relationship with God. We talked about how Rehoboam did not have a direct relationship with God. We read in the scriptures how God spoke directly to King David. And we spoke how God spoke directly to King Solomon. And yet Rehoboam had to rely on a prophet to tell him what God said because there was no communication between Rehoboam and God. Rehoboam's attitude seemed to be, well, it's okay. My parents served the Lord. My grandfather served the Lord. So I'm just, I'm kind of okay. I'm just going to rely on my heritage. It's my right to be king. I'm here because my father was the king. My grandfather was the king. So this is my right. He didn't realize that it was the Lord who gave him that right. And so he neglected that relationship. Amen. And so we're going to move on today. We're going to talk about pothole number two. And uh, the first thing I want to do is do a little demonstration. So I need a couple of volunteers. Where's Brother Stan? Brother Stan, can you come be my volunteer? Let's get one of the young people. Let's get Sister Sessa. Come on, Sister Sessa, up the front here. Okay. And you're all going to help me with this, okay? Now, Brother Stan, I want you to come and stand just here and face the front. Now, Sister Sessa, I want you to come and stand here. And I want you to look that way, okay? I'm going to drop the microphone now. So live streamers will just have to deal. 
point is, is that an elder in our life has a different perspective to everybody else. An elder in our life can see things that we don't necessarily see. An elder has a different perspective. Hello? And so Brother Stan could see more than what Sister Sessa could see. Sister Sessa could only see like three and a half, I think Brother Attic said, because my fingers are a bit bent and crooked. Right? But Brother Stan could see, well, hang on, there's six. Why? Because he has more. And so the second pothole that we are going to talk about is the council of friends over the wisdom of elders. This was the second pothole that King Rehoboam hit. He valued the counsel of his friends rather than the counsel of his elders. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, let's go now to 1 Kings. First Kings chapter 12, and we're going to read from verse 1. And we're probably going to read a little bit this morning because I want you to get the whole picture here. First Kings chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. And remember, that was the other difference between Rehoboam and David and Solomon. David was anointed by the prophet. Solomon was anointed by the prophet. But Rehoboam was anointed by the people. He didn't want God's blessing. He wanted the people's blessing, amen. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel would come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt, that they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spoke unto Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke grievous. Now, therefore, make the yoke the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter and we will serve thee. These people came to Rehoboam and they said, don't treat us as bad as what your father did. Your father taxed us. Your father made us work. Your father made life pretty hard for us. So we want you to be a little bit nicer. We want you to be a little bit lighter on the policy. And Rehoboam said unto them, verse 5, depart for three days and come again to me. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men, he spoke to the elders, that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do you advise that I may answer these people? And they spake unto him, saying, If you will be a servant unto the people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But notice Rehoboam's response. Bible says in verse 8, But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and he consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give you that we may answer these people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which your father did put upon us lighter. And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto the people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make it lighter unto us. This is what you should say to them. My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father did lay you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father has chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. This is what the young people are saying. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day as the king had appointed, saying, 
Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly and forsook the old man's counsels that they had given him and spake to them after the counsel of the young men saying, my father made your yoke heavy. I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Wherefore, the king hearkened not unto the people for the causes from the Lord that he might perform his saying which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shaholonites unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Verse 16, here's the result. And when all Israel saw that the king listened not unto them, the people answered the king saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now see to your own house, David. So Israel departed unto their tents. Rehoboam decided... I am not going to follow the counsel of the elders. The men who grew up with my father, who watched as he led our kingdom, I'm not going to listen to them. I'm going to listen to my friends. I'm going to listen to the young men who grew up with me, the people who are my age, who we've got it all figured out. We don't need the elders. That's what Rehoboam said. Amen. So Rehoboam's forefathers, let's talk a little bit again about David and Solomon. They set a great example for Rehoboam of how, when, and from whom to receive counsel. Rehoboam's grandfather, King David, he expressed in his very first psalm, Psalm 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Right from the very beginning of the Psalms, David understood, no, no, no. I've got to make sure that the counsel I get in my life is godly. I've got to make sure the counsel that I get in my life honors God and puts God first, amen, and not listen to the wicked counsel that is out there. Rehoboam's father was the wisest man to ever live. Amen. In fact, the Bible tells us that he had supernatural power that came from God, supernatural wisdom that came from God. And yet, let's turn to the book of Proverbs. Look at this. Proverbs chapter 11. Because you would think, if you were the wisest man to ever live, you probably wouldn't need much counsel, would you? If you got all the brains and all the knowledge, you probably got it figured out. You probably expect people to come to you for advice, right? But look at what Solomon writes here in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. He says this, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. This is the wisest man on earth. And he's saying, hey, it is wise to have counselors around you who can give you wisdom. Amen. Look at this, 1215. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that listens unto counsel is wise. This is the wisest man. 1522. Here's another example. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Amen. Solomon was the wisest man on the earth. 
And yet Solomon understood, no, if I want to rule my kingdom well, if I want my kingdom to succeed and to be prosperous and to be passed on to the next generation, then I need to surround myself with wise counselors who can give me opinions and give me advice and give me direction and help me see things from a different perspective like the example that we used. We only have one perspective. Sister Sessa only had one perspective, but an elder has a few more different perspectives that they've seen, that they've lived through, that they understand. And Brother Stan was able to go, no, 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 there's six fingers up, not three. You're not seeing the whole picture. And Solomon understood the importance of that, amen? When the people approached Rehoboam, here's the interesting thing. He clearly understood that counsel was important because the Bible tells us that he sent them away for three days. He said, go away for three days, come back again, and I will give you the answer. Amen. He understood that they needed to get, he needed to get counsel. But the problem with Rehoboam was not that he sought counsel, nor from whom he sought counsel. Rehoboam's problem was the purpose for seeking counsel. It was the purpose that was problematic. It was the purpose that was wrong, amen. Rehoboam asked the elders for their perspective. The elders expressed the importance of speaking kindly in order to win the affections of the people. By demonstrating a servant heart, they advised that the people would serve you forever. If you'd come off your high horse, king, and just say, no, I'm the king, yeah, but I'm here to serve you. I'm here to care for my people. I'm here to look after you as God directs me. The people would serve him. The kingdom would remain united. The people would be with him. And the thing is, is this wouldn't have been unfamiliar for David, for, Saul, for Rehoboam, rather. This was not unfamiliar advice for him. David was a servant leader. David brought the heart of a shepherd to the throne. He knew what it was like to be a shepherd. Think about a shepherd. A shepherd is there for the sheep day and night. Cold weather, warm weather, hot weather, whether it's raining, whether it's snowing, whether it's sunny, no matter whether there's plenty of grass, whether there's plenty of water or no grass or no water, the shepherd never leaves his sheep. And David brought that attitude to the throne. And he said, I'm here to serve my people. I'm here to care for my people. And, and, and you see this in the way that David reigns. In good times, he's with his people. In bad times, he's with his people. Amen. You see examples of David being on the front lines fighting. Even as an old man, there's a story in the Bible where David is on the front line. He's nearly killed by a giant. Because he's just getting too old to be on the front. But there he is like, no, I've got to be with my men. I've got to support them. I've got to fight alongside them. I've got to encourage them and lead them. And the people said, no, oh, David, David, no, you need to go back to the back lines a bit. You're getting old. We need you around for a bit longer. But that was David's heart. He wanted to be with his people, amen. When you think about words, David eloquently expressed a desire that his words would be pleasing to God. In Psalms 19.14, he said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you, O Lord my God. Right? So David understood, no, no, no. I need to be with my people. And the words that I choose to speak, they have to be pleasing to God. I have to honor God. God has to be able to give the tick of approval to the words. That was David. So Rehoboam grew up with his grandfather. He saw the way that his grandfather ruled. Rehoboam's own father spoke often about the importance of words. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 18.21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
The fate of the kingdom was resting on what Rehoboam had said. And if only he had looked back at the words of his father Solomon. Where Solomon had said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Think carefully before you speak, Rehoboam. Rehoboam would have understood that. Solomon also wrote that pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Right? So Rehoboam did not lack for good examples. He had his grandfather. He had his father. But unfortunately, these words did not reinforce Rehoboam's desires. See, Rehoboam was at a crossroads. He had to make a decision. He could accept the words of the elders or he could ask for a second opinion. And we know, we read it, he chose the latter. He said, well, yeah, that's good, elders, but I want to see what my buddies say. I want to see what my mates say. I want to see what all my friends say to me. Hello? His friends, however, did not have the life experience to speak from a standpoint of wisdom. His friends, it appeared, spoke from a place of impulse. Perhaps they were expressing, well, if I was the king, this is what I would do. Man, I would just, I'm the king, I'm so good, I'm so powerful. Rehoboam, this is what I would do if I was you. This, this is what I would do. They were thinking about their own opinions and their own, they're not thinking about the people. They answered from their own impulses. See, the people, the friends, the young men who gave him advice, they were not concerned with the fallout from their words. They weren't concerned about what would happen if the king followed our advice. What's going to happen in the future? They were concerned only for the here and the now. And so his friends advised him, just lay down the law. Just, you tell them, I'm going to whip you so hard, you're going to beg for mercy. You're going to think my father was good compared to me. And he laid down the law. And that resonated with Rehoboam because it began to feed the pride that was growing in his heart. See, I believe this is the root of Rehoboam's problem. We started to uncover it last week. His attitude was, I am the grandson of King David. I am the son of King Solomon. This is my heritage, my birthright. I am the king. And so when his friends said to him, well, you're the king, man. You just do what you want to do. You tell them you're the boss. You tell them how it is. It began to feed the pride. You see, Rehoboam's decision to follow his friend's advice while rejecting the wisdom of his elders revealed the true intentions of his heart. Amen. See, Rehoboam was not interested in sound advice. What Rehoboam wanted was someone affirming his desires. He wanted someone to tell him what he wanted to hear. Amen. The fallout was great. Out of the 12 tribes of Israel, Rehoboam lost 10 of them. And all he held on to was the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. 10 of the other tribes rebelled against the throne of King David and against the throne of Solomon. And it divided his kingdom. Before it ever began, Rehoboam's reign was already in problems. You see, Rehoboam's folly was not found in the fact that he sought counsel. His folly was found in seeking counsel for validation. The Bible tells us that in the multitude of counselors there's safety, yes, but counsel cannot protect us if we are not fully submitted. Let me say that again. Counsel cannot protect us if we are not fully submitted. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 13. 
We'll read verse 17. Say amen when you're there. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says this, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Not for the person giving the counsel. It's unprofitable for you, amen. And here is the problem with submission. We have no problem submitting while people are telling us what we want to hear. Hello? See, Rehoboam had no issue with the counsel of his friends. Because the counsel of his friends was what he wanted to hear. What he wanted to hear from the counsel that he received was, well, you're the king, man. You do what you want to do. You tell them who's the boss. But the elders didn't tell him that. The elders said, no, you've got to submit yourself to the people. You've got to be submitted. You've got to be humble. You've got to understand that you're only here because God put you here. You need to listen to these people. Show them that you love them. Show them that you care for them. And then they'll serve you. Rehoboam's like, mm, I don't want to hear that. I want to be the king, man. I've been waiting all my life to be the king. It's like that song from the Lion King that Simba sings. I just can't wait to be king, right? That's like Rehoboam. And yet when he's the king, he gets counsel he doesn't like. So what's he do? I've got to find some counsel that, that suits my needs. What do you think, my friends? Oh, you be the king. You tell him. You lay down the law. You just do it. You're the king. You do what you want to do. You tell them who's the boss. Yeah, that's what I thought too. You see, submission is not tested when people are telling us what we want to hear. We only know if we are submitted when we hear something we don't want to do and we don't like and then we decide to follow it because we understand that our elders have wisdom and our pastor has wisdom and there is counsel that we can get from other people that help us understand what is the path that we need to take because they have a different perspective to us. That's when you know you're submitted. Hello? We don't have a problem with submission. As long as people are telling us everything we want to hear. Our submission is only tested. And as a matter of fact, it's not really even submission. Until we get counsel that we don't agree with. And we have to stop and go, well, hang on. My pastor loves me. My pastor cares for me. My elder loves me. My elder cares for me. They've got a different perspective than me. So I'm going to listen to what they say, even though I don't like it even though it might mean I need to make some changes. You ever heard that expression, you can't see the forest for the trees? When you are in the middle of a situation, it's difficult to climb to 30,000 feet and see everything from a different perspective. But the elders and the leaders that God has placed in this church and, and in your life are there to help you see things more clearly. Their perception is less clouded by emotions. They can see the reality of the situation and they can see the different roads that you are going to go down. This is why GPSs are so good. Why? Because they offer a view above where you are. When you're in the middle of Sydney and you're not sure which tunnel to take or which road to take, as you can zoom out on GPS, you go, okay, well, if I take that road, it's going to go here, it's going to lead me there, and that's where I need to go. But when you are down on ground level, that's when you need elders. That's when you need a pastor. That's when you need counsel to be able to say, well, what do I do? What is the direction that I take? I can't see all the angles. Help me. Give me advice. Hello? It's true. 
But when we seek out those who only agree with us or choose to follow their advice, we are rejecting a multitude of counseling, counsels that point to another way. And then we are not submitting. Rather, we are working around godly authority in the guise of submission. Well, I'm, I'm listening to my counsel. Yeah, my counsel is my friend. Yeah, grew up together, good mates. Now, he's not in church, doesn't love God. But he told me, Pastor, that I should do this. Well, is that good counsel? Oh, but I'm submitted to somebody. But are you submitted to the right person? And is it really submission if they're just telling you what you want to hear? Hello? Amen? Accountability is vital in our walk with God, but just as important as it is to be accountable, it is important to make wise decisions to whom we are accountable to. Amen? We can't just be accountable to anybody. And if we are truly interested in making wise decisions in our lives, we have to be mindful about who we allow to speak into our lives. Amen. And sometimes we're not even talking about a person, but sometimes our family dynamics, sometimes our family background, sometimes the culture that we grow up into speaks into our lives and we listen to it and we obey it and we follow it without stopping to check, is this in line with God's word? Is this what God wants for my life? And we chat with our friends and we follow our friends and we listen to what they're saying instead of stopping and going, well, hang on, let me check in with what God's word says. Let me check in and see if this is the direction that God has for my life. Amen? Counselors. Counselors. We have to be mindful about who speaks into our lives. Think about it like this. You want to be a football player. AFL player. You're really, really good at it. You're amazing at it. You're so talented. You've got so much talent. You're incredible. So you want to get a coach, right? To help you take you to that next level. So you go and you get an ex-basketball player to teach you how to play football. Would you do that? Of course not. What would be the point? They don't know the game. Excellent basketball coach, but rubbish at teaching you how to play football. Because that's not their expertise. In the flesh then, we understand that if we want to be an expert in a particular area of our life, we choose someone who is an expert in that field to coach us. You want to be a great basketball player? Get a basketball coach. You want to be a great piano player? Get a piano coach. Amen. You don't get a saxophone coach to teach you how to play guitar right? But it's the same thing with God's Word, and it's the same thing with our Christian life. We need to find people who are further along in their journey than us and say, hey, can you help me walk? Can you help me learn? Can you help me avoid some of these potholes in life that I might hit because I want to be a good Christian, and I want to serve God, and I want to live for Him. I want to see Him move in my family. But instead, we do the equivalent of getting, you know, well, I want to be a good Christian. Let's go see what Facebook says about it. Let's Google how to be a good disciple. No. You've got to have mentors who you allow to speak into your life. People who can counsel you. Your pastor can counsel you, can help you, can give you advice. Hey, come on. Let me help you out here. Let me show you the way here. I've been on this path before. I want to help. Amen. We've got to let counselors. Amen. You know, you often see as well. In the book of Acts, you see that the disciples often went out in twos. 
Even Jesus sent his disciples out in twos. Why? Because you had someone there who was learning and someone who was coaching, someone who was teaching. Well, let me show you how to do this. Let me, let's do this together. Amen. We need to be together. We care for one another, support one another. Amen. And so our leadership in this church is vital to our walk with God. Our leadership, our elders in our community can be vital to our walk with God as well. We need to learn to listen and to obey and to listen to wise counsel and listen to God's word as well. So what do we need to do? What are the keys to selecting people who we can allow to speak into our lives? Here's the first thing we need to do. We need to pray for Jesus to put the right spiritual leaders in our lives. We need to pray saying, Lord, I need guidance. I need someone who can help me. I need someone who can show me the right way here. I need someone who can help me avoid some of these pitfalls. I'm doing something I've never done before. Help me find someone who can speak into my life. Amen. Amen. Because we see the needs for mentors. People see that. It's, it's a thing even in the world. People go, well, I need to learn how to do this, so I'm going to find someone who's done it before. Amen. And we can find specific people who we might think might really do great at speaking to our lives, but we need to make sure that these are the people that God wants speaking into our lives. Amen. God will place men and women in your life who can speak into your life, who can encourage you, who can build you up. Men and women who have a specific burden for your success in life who want to see you live for God. Here's another key thing. This is a good one. You ready? You might want to write this one down. Be transparent with your pastor. Be transparent with your pastor. A godly mentor will point to your pastor more than they point to yourselves. Let me just point this out. If someone ever tells you, well, no, don't tell the pastor that. Keep that hidden. Do a spirit check. That's not right. Do a spirit check. That's not right. Hang on. There's something not right with that. Amen. Because we need to trust what the pastor says into our lives. It's not by accident that you're in this church. It's not by accident that I'm the pastor. God has brought us together. Amen. Amen. It's true. Place great weight on the voice of elders. We are so blessed. We have elders in this church. We've got Brother Kenneth. We've got Brother Stan. We've got Sister Linda. We've got Sister Wendy. We've got other elders as well, the Garas. We've got Brother Barney here. We've got Sister Sally here. We've got people who have walked this life more than what you and I might have. And people who have walked with Jesus for longer than what you and I have. And we need to be able to go to them and say, well, what do you think about this? Let me tell you, some of my counselors is Brother Stan and Brother Kenneth. I go to them and I say, well, what do you think I should do in this situation? What do you think's happening here? I don't understand. Can you help me understand this? Why? Because I understand that even as the pastor, I need people to speak into my life as well. Amen. So we are blessed in this church to have elders. Amen. It's not wrong to seek advice from friends or peers or people who haven't walked for God like you've been walking for God. But you've got to check it against the advice of those who have gone on before. And you've got to check it against the advice of God's Word. What does God's Word say about this? Fourth point, we need to be submitted even when we do not agree. You know, Mentors and spiritual leaders often tell us things that we do not want to hear. It's true. 
I've sat down with people and told them, and, and I've known it's not been what they want to hear, but I've known it's what they need to hear. Amen. And so a good mentor will often tell you what you don't want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. Amen. And so submission then comes into play. Well, are you going to listen to what's being said or are you going to reject it because it doesn't fit, sit well with you? It doesn't feel nice. I'm not going to do that. That made me feel uncomfortable. I'm offended about that. Hello? We need to be submitted. Amen. And when we feel the desire, here's something for you. When pastor or an elder speaks to you and gives you a word that you don't like, and you begin to yeah, you feel it, that begins to, you can't talk to me like that, it begins to rise up. That's when you've got to go, hang on, back up. Why am I feeling like that? Why am I rejecting that immediately? What's going on in my heart? Because we all want to grow. We all want to learn. We all want to become more like Jesus. And so if a mentor or a pastor or a leader or an elder speaks into our life and says, well, you know, brother, I think you need to spend some more time in prayer. I pray. Well, no, I don't really. But I pray. Stop. Why? Whoa, hang on. Because you've got to understand your pastor loves you. Your elders love you. Your, your, your counselors love you. They want to see you succeed. And so they're not speaking to hurt you. They're speaking to help you grow. And that is how you check if you are submitted. Amen. Make all decisions prayerfully, of course, as well. No one is all-knowing. And that's why it's important to have counselors. I've got multiple men and women of God who speak into my life, who I talk to and I say, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What's your opinion on that? And it's not even necessarily a matter of salvation or anything like that, but I want to get advice because I recognize I can't see all the roads either. Amen. But be prayerful about it as well. All decisions must come with prayer. Amen. Why don't we all stand this morning? I think we'll leave it there. My prayer for you this morning is that we would learn to accept counsel. And that we would learn to seek counsel. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe life's changed. I don't know. When I was growing up, I used to talk to my pastor about everything. Pastor, what do you think about this? What about this? Do you think I should do this? I, I, I talked to my pastor about even getting what job I should get and stuff. You know, I spoke to my pastor and said, Pastor, I, I really would love to be an ambulance driver. That paramedic would be pretty amazing. That would be pretty awesome. I like helping people. And he said to me, he said, sounds great. Now, are you aware what happens with paramedic drivers? I said, no, I don't have a clue. He said, one of the first things they do is for the first two or three years, you don't get a choice where you get to serve. They send you to wherever you need to go. So that means you could end up in any one of a town in Australia that doesn't have a church. And you won't be able to go to church, Jason. You'll be out of God's house. You can, you know, read your Bible, you can pray, you can, but you'll be out of God's house. And as your pastor, it's important you understand that you need to be in God's house. So stop chasing being a paramedic. Why? Because my pastor could see more than I could see. And he had seen other people like me who had gone and chased those dreams that took them out of God's house and saw where it landed them. We need to talk to the pastor. Talk to me. Talk to the pastor. Get the pastor's advice. Amen. See what the pastor thinks. 
There's every chance the pastor will go. That's an amazing idea. Go for it. But what happens if your idea, you haven't considered something, you haven't thought of something? This honors God when we do that. Amen. And I can speak into your life and I can help you see things. I can help you understand some more. Amen. We understand, of course, that not all elders are old and not all young people are foolish. Amen. And so age really doesn't have anything to do with it in some senses. But it's about who has God placed in your life to speak into your life. Amen. That's my prayer for you, that you would learn to seek godly counsel. Why don't we just bow our heads and let's just pray this morning. Precious Jesus, it's been an interesting topic this morning, Lord. Something that, truthfully, I struggle to preach as well, Lord God, because, you know, it's talking a lot about the importance of submission, the importance of seeking counsel, Lord God. Lord, I pray for the members of my church, Lord God, the people who would make this their home church, Jesus, both now and in the future, that they would understand their pastor loves them and cares for them, Lord God. Lord, that we would learn to seek counsel, Lord God, to seek godly counsel in our life before we do anything, Jesus. And, and Lord, our leaders here, Lord, Brother, Brother Kenneth and Brother Stan, Lord God, and, and the elders that we have, Lord Jesus, help us as a church to listen to their voices, Lord, to understand, Lord, that they are here for a reason, Lord, and you've placed them to help us grow as individuals and as a church, Lord God. Father, I pray, Lord, you would help us, all of us, myself included, Lord, to be submitted, Lord God. Lord, to one another, your word says, Lord, and to our leadership in this church, Lord God, and, and to you and to your word, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to have an attitude that says, Lord, we just want to do, Lord, what our elders tell us to do, Lord God. Lord, if it's in line with your word and our elders tell us to do it, Lord God, then, Lord, help us to follow, Lord God, with a glad heart, Lord, a submitted heart, Lord, that's seeks your will for our life, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for this life class, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can be aware, Lord, of these potholes in life that we can avoid, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to look to you, Jesus. You're the author, the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord.